Welcome to the SDA Housing Podcast, brought to you by NDIS Property Australia. Before starting this episode, we need to provide a general disclaimer. Information contained in this podcast is general in nature only. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. You need to consider your financial situation and needs before making any decisions based on the information in this podcast. And you should consider seeking independent and professional advice for your personal circumstances. All right, let's begin. Hi everybody, my name is Erin and I'm your host for today from NDIS Property Australia here in Brisbane and you're listening to the SDA Housing Podcast, a show that explains, highlights, guides and brings awareness about all things SDA in this ever-changing NDIS world. Today's exciting guest speaker is Peter from the I Can't Stand podcast and we're just going to be talking about her podcast, what she does and just, yeah, all things about her podcast pretty much. So do you just want to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your podcast, Peter? Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to talk to you. As it was said, my name's Peter Hook. I'm the host of the I Can't Stand podcast, and I talk about what it's like to live with a disability every week, and I interview other people with disabilities as well, because even though I have cerebral palsy and I've had cerebral palsy my whole life and will have it for my whole life, I don't know what it's like for everyone, so I get to learn along with the audience as well. Amazing. Um, do you just want to tell us a little bit about like some of the guests you've had on, if that's all right? Sure. Uh, we're up to almost 90 episodes now, so there are a lot of people to uh, talk about. Um, it's It's been so fantastic to hear everybody's different stories. So not everybody on my podcast is is famous, but I'll, I'll start with the names that the audience might uh, recognise. I had Dr. Dinesh Palapana. I've had Carly Finlay. I've had Sam Bloom. Um, lots and lots of different people that have been really enlightening, but also just normal people who have disabilities because we are one in five and disability can happen to everyone at any time. Amazing. Uh, So what inspired you to launch your podcast and get it all started? Well, to be honest, I was in a job that I was miserable in, totally miserable. This was right before COVID and I thought, I've, I've got to do something. I'm in my late 20s. This can't be my life. Um, I don't know whether many of your listeners have a disability, but I was that typical person with a disability. I was completely underemployed. I had two degrees and I was basically sitting in an admin job. So I decided that I needed to use my voice more effectively because I'd constantly annoy my co-workers saying, oh, I can't believe this happened. Why, why isn't anybody doing anything about this? <laughs> so I thought I should put my money where my mouth is. And I created the I Can't Stand podcast and we've been going for just over a year. Yeah, that's kind of how we started as well. We were sort of looking around and we're like, oh, no one's, no one's talking about this. Like no one's talking about SDA. No one's really saying anything. And then, yeah, uh, Min, who's my boss, he was like, why don't we why don't we start a podcast? Why don't we do it? And everyone was like, yeah, let's let's give it a go. And then where I think we're at, uh, episode 69 just came out this morning. So, we're yeah, we're powering through and we're pretty happy with how it's going. So, we're excited to get more guests like you on and talk about everything and anything pretty much that falls under SDA and NDIS. 
Well, it's not often that I get to speak about SDA and housing. Um, I actually have a qualification in the area as well. So um, I have an access consultancy qualification. So it's always been a big passion of mine. Not only do I live as a disabled person every day, I also am quite design-minded and really enjoy trying to find solutions, particularly in my own life, that make it accessible, but also beautiful. Yeah. Well, on that, do you want to tell us like a little bit about what you think makes a standout accessible design? What makes an SDA house just above all the rest? I think first and foremost, it's the fact that people with disabilities should be listened to in the design process Mm. because yes, I have a physical disability and I use an electric wheelchair, but everybody's needs are pretty different. So Mm. adaptability in design is really, really important. And I think it's also really important for architects and designers to try and put themselves in our shoes Um, because I think in the past – particularly when I was younger, disability solutions are really ugly. It's very clinical. It had sort of hospital vibes to it. And that's where I find it really exciting to be like, accessibility means that everybody can access it. It's not just for people, you know, of course it can be specifically for somebody with a disability, but good design means that everybody can access the design. Yeah, and no one wants to live in a house that's like, for lack of a better word, ugly, you know, like you want to enjoy the way your house looks. Like, Oh, exactly right. Um, when I bought my place, I was in my early 20s. So, mm-hmm. you know, as, as someone in their early 20s, you want something sort of cool and have the vibe that you're sort of after. So it's, yeah. it's a, you know, it's, it's, a po- it's a process, but it's a passion of mine. So I mm-hmm. really love to do it. So, you know, it, it really excites me to see where the industry is going as a whole. Yeah, we we always say like to our investors who are buying, we're like you need to future proof. Like, don't just think about now. Think about say five years down the track, things could change. Like, you want your house to be able to still, however many years down the track, be the best in its area. Well, and that's the key to universal design and those principles that we all strive mm. towards. And I think also. It also lends itself quite well into sustainability because, after all, whether it be financial or or cost to the environment, we all want to be sort of cognizant of those issues and that's where accessibility can really lend itself in a positive way. Yeah, 100%. Like I have to say, even um, my able-bodied friends that don't have a disability, um, one of them just purchased a house the other week and she said, I'm really annoyed that it is double story because I know that if anything happened to myself or Mm. my husband, we wouldn't be able to get up and have a shower. Whereas I I don't think many people even think about that when they consider a property of how life-altering an accident can be and how fantastic it is that that's one less thing that you have to think about. Um, Mm. That, you know, a single-storey house, for example, is far more accessible uh, than a double-storey house. Yeah, well, 100%. We So growing up, I lived in the same house. Up until I was 19, I had always lived in the same house. And then when I was, I think I was 16, my dad got diagnosed with MS. And it was, you know, it was dealable for the first few years, but then 
our house was one story, but it sat on stilts because it was an old Queenslander. So you had to walk upstairs to get inside. Mm. And that just, and the yard and that, it just started becoming a bit much. So we moved into an apartment and it's just like little things like even stairs just to get up into their front door. Like it's not things that people don't think about, like they don't realise. And even though I don't have a progressive disability, so I don't fully understand how challenging that is, I know how um, important it is for me to be able to access all my house. Um, mm. It's really empowering and it makes you feel like an equal in in yeah. your home. Even though people don't specifically say that, it's just that level that until you're like, oh, I won't go to the toilet again for another couple of hours because I can't be, I can't get up the stairs. I don't have the energy mm. to be able to allow yourself, like a dad, to move freely and independently is super important, particularly yeah. to mental health. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like I just think there's a lot of things that don't cross people's mind until you see it or you're around anything and you just don't it doesn't cross your mind and then you're like oh I didn't even think of that and I think people should really just take into consideration all factors when they're buying designing building an SDA home like you really got to think about everything and I think that's where it's really important to make sure that you have the right sort of people helping you design your home because you don't know what you don't know and that's where I think it can be really um, important to make sure you've got the right team around you to advise and make sure that uh, the home that is being constructed is something for the long term. Yeah, 100%. Um, if you wouldn't mind, we haven't really discussed about um, anything about it a lot on the podcast. Do you mind telling us a little bit about cerebral palsy? Sure. Just so our listeners understand. Sure. So um, I'll firstly say I only know what it's like for me. Um, so for me, it presents itself in the fact that I can't walk, stand or transfer. Um, mm -hmm. And cerebral palsy happens either in the womb or at birth, right at birth. So yeah. for me, they believe that I gained my cerebral palsy when I came out of my mother's womb and I didn't take that proper breath. Like you, right. when you hear a child scream, I didn't take that proper breath and that 10 to 15 seconds resulted in slight brain damage, which then means that I can't walk, stand or transfer. Wow. Yeah. So, um, but cerebral palsy can affect people in different ways. I have quite a mild form of cerebral palsy there are many challenges and it just depends where the brain damage occurs mm -hmm. yeah I didn't know that it um it could form that early you know I thought it was sort of a I thought it was early years in life, but I didn't know it was like straight out. Well, it happens right at birth normally right. or in the womb, okay. but diagnosis can take time. Um, mm -hmm. So, for example, I wasn't diagnosed until I would think I was about two or two and a half. So that's probably where your perception might have come from, that, yeah. um, you know, families don't necessarily have an awareness that their child has a disability. Like, for example, yeah. I'm very left side dominant so my mum would put a rattle in my left on my uh, right side and I just drop it so it's not until a baby starts to develop or not develop that you sort of go oh we might need to go see someone yeah yeah it's I think that's an important thing for people to know because you might not even 
even if they have a child and they might not be aware, it's important things to be aware of. And you're like, ooh, warning, not warning signs, but um, just markers to be aware of so you can keep track and know. Because, yeah, like, like I said, I had no idea that it can form that early. Yeah, I mean, I think being the person with a disability, I find it tricky to have these sort of conversations because I don't see my disability as having any negative at all, really, because I don't know any different. Um, but I know that's not the case for everyone. So yeah, it's everybody has their own sort of journey, not to be too cliche. Yeah. But that's like, I think that's the perfect way to look at it. Like it's not, it doesn't have to be a negative. Like that's, you can, you can make the best out of any situation if you just put a positive on anything, no matter what the situation is. Like you can make the best out of anything. So I think that's, yeah, and yeah, I think I think particularly when disability is often something that you can't control, it just mm-hmm. happens to you. Um, it can be really challenging for people to see it as a negative because it wasn't wasn't like I I chose this, but it it's mm-hmm. I don't know any different. It's just a part of me. It's who I am. Um, yeah. So for somebody to say that it's a negative thing is it sort of feels like that there's something wrong with me when I really don't think yeah. that there is. But at the same time, I always want to flag in these conversations. I'm very privileged sitting here as a white woman uh, with a good level of education. So, Yeah, yeah, 100%. I get what you're saying. Um, I think that's all of my questions. Is there anything you want to leave us with, anything you want to add? If anybody does want to listen to the I Can't Stand podcast, it's on Apple, Google, and Spotify. And I also am super duper active on Instagram. My handle is my name at Peter Hook. Um, for example, yesterday I had a series of my disastrous date that I had on Saturday night. Uh, no, so we know. have lots of fun over there. It's good. Oh, surely you have to tell us the story. <laughs> you might have to go over and have a look. Uh, okay. <laughs> I will put all of the links in the description for this podcast as Thank well. Thank so you, Erin. Go and have a look. Oh, no, not a problem at all. All right. Well, thanks for talking to us and telling us a little bit about your podcast and you and um, accessible design and everything. I think that was really great for our listeners to hear. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure you are subscribed and following us so you can keep in the loop with all of our upcoming episodes. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating, a written review, and to share this podcast with those that could benefit. Until next time, catch you on the next episode.